So we've been talking about trials, difficulties, uh, tough things going on in our lives, something going to face, aren't we, from time to time in this present world of ours that's been corrupted by sin, right? We're all going to, bad things are going to happen to good people. It's just a part of, uh, again, the consequences of way back uh, a while ago, long, 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 long time ago, and this world is under that sin, and one day, of course, uh, Jesus said we're going to have a whole different story. We're going to have a new heaven and a new earth, and we're not going to have the corruption of sin, and we're going to be in the, the manifest presence of God all the time, and it's going to be peace and joy and no more tears and pain and sorrow and death and any of that. But now we have what we have. Uh, we're going to face trials, uh, James says in his book. Trials of various kinds, just like the rest of the world. But the difference for us as believers is that God enters into those trials with us. We are not alone. We are not just subject to fate and whatever happens. No, God promised he would never leave us. He promised that he would never abandon us, never leave us without help. So that's the difference. He provides grace for us in those situations. Wisdom, strength, peace, comfort, joy, uh, or miracles depending on his will in the situation. So that as we've seen, as we've been looking at last couple of weeks, our trials can end in triumph one way or another. We talked about uh, first how to count those trials as joy. Um, not like everything is wonderful all the time. No, I mean, we need to be realistic. Uh, kidney stones are painful, right, Rob? Uh, they're, no, they're no fun. So we can, yay! Uh, no. Uh, we talked about it being the quiet as we look at the big picture, trusting that God is in this, trusting that he's going to help us, trusting that he's going to get us through and reveal his faith in the midst. So that he is also using those circumstances for us to strengthen us, to make us more resilient, to draw us into a deep ship with him. And be in a better place and at our door the next time. Kind of okay. Uh, let's grab one of these here. Okay, test one, two, all right, that works. So, James chapter 1, verse 4 says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. As you and I hold on to the Lord in those difficult times, seeking him through prayer, seeking his wisdom, his direction, his comfort. We grow in our ability to weather storms. We become more and more steadfast so that, James says, we may be perfect. Now, everybody, you know, when you hear the word perfect, the word actually in the Greek means mature, okay? So you, you can see there's a process, character building. We become 
more mature as we do that. And complete, he says, lacking nothing. In other words, having all that we need as we do this, you know, over and over and over because we, we have trials. But as we hold on, as we become steadfast, as we trust the Lord through these things, we begin to mature, we begin to be complete, having everything then at our disposal to meet the challenges of this life triumphantly and in a way that brings glory to God. So I want to move this morning to verse 5, where we have an absolutely wonderful promise from the Lord. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. If it's one thing that you and I need in our tough times, in our difficulties, it's wisdom, right? Defined as understanding, insight, the ability to exercise sound judgment, to know what to do in that situation. How many of us at different times in our lives have faced uh, troubles and, and, and things we didn't know what to do and we went to, when we were small, went to a parent or we went to a teacher or we went to a friend or a coach or somebody and said, hey, can you help me out here, right? I need, I need, I need your, the benefit of your experience. Well, in this case, we're talking about God himself giving us wisdom, giving us insight, giving us direction in that situation, knowing the best way to handle it. Not just anybody on the street, God himself. Oh, hearing something in the background here. I'll never forget the very first funeral service I did. I was, a, I was a young pastoral intern. I was covering for the pastor. He was out of the country. And uh, my wife and I were winding down for the night, and uh, I got a call from a gentleman, an older gentleman. His wife had been battling cancer for a number, um, several months, maybe even past a year, and uh, she hadn't been doing well. And uh, he, he called that night about 8.30 or whatever, and he said, they're telling us it's close. Can you come to the house? Well, sure, you know. So my wife and I change clothes, run out to the house, and we get to the bedside of this dear saint um, probably 20 minutes uh, before she uh, went home to be with Jesus. And uh, when that happened, she drew her final breath. We prayed, and the husband looks right at me, says, you're going to handle everything, right, the service and all? And I said, absolutely. And I didn't have clue what I was going to do. Now, you got to understand something about me. Um, I don't like to be caught off guard in a public setting. I, and I'm sure, you know, most of you can say the same thing. I have, I can't tell you how many times I have had dreams over the years of coming, standing in a pulpit, right, all prepared, but I can't find my notes. Or sitting down at a keyboard, ready to start the service, all eyes, are, and I can't find my music. I've had those dreams over and over and over and over again. Uh, so, I, um, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't like that. So, I began to call on the Lord in that situation, saying, Lord, I I'm, I'm, was way out of my comfort zone. I don't know what I'm doing here. Help me out here. And... 
what I heard in prayer very simply was two things. Love them and trust me. Love them and trust me. So that's what I did. I began to love them, pray for them, encourage the family. Uh, the Lord also put another pastor on my heart um, that I knew, and I called him and got a few pointers. And as I just prayerfully waited before the Lord, you know, what am I going to do with this service here? The words began to come, and I got them down on the page. And when all was said and done, the gentleman, you know, walked up to me after service. He said, that was perfect. You know, I, he was just so appreciative. And I was like, you know, wow. Um, through, through, my, through my sweat, right, God came through. He led me with wisdom through that situation. And uh, it all worked out. I love verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives. Stop there. Who gives? Isn't that awesome? He gives. Not only is God able, but he is willing. He is a giver. Ask wisdom of God. He gives. That's terrific. Smile a little bit anyway. Okay. So um, he gives, and it says... Um, look, look, look at it. He gives generously. Generously. Listen, God is on our side. He wants to help us in our trials, in our difficulties, right? He is there for us. He wants to generously give. What father among us, if your child walks up to you sincerely and says, you know, I don't know what to do, Dad, in this situation. How many of us would say, hey, figure it out. Just don't blow it. How many of us would do that? Why would God be any different? Right? No, what do we do? We would give them the benefit of our experience or help them to find that answer as we ask questions, right? Well, what do you think you should, you know, stuff like that. But to get them on the right track, we would give generously. So he will give generously, the Bible says, not just a little bit, but all that we need in that situation, right, to go through it triumphantly. Third, it says he gives without reproach. He gives, he gives generously, he gives without reproach. In other words, he doesn't say, sorry, Ron, you made your bed lie in it. That's not how God works. Aren't you glad? Right? Nor does he say, sorry, you didn't have your devotion time this morning, so forget you. He's not going to say that either. Or he doesn't say, you know, Ron, you acted selfishly yesterday. You remember that situation, so forget it. No help today from me. He doesn't say any of those things. No, he wants to give, and he wants to give generously, not only to help us through our difficulties, but so that it will sink in, finally, into these brains of ours, hey, he knows what he's talking about, right? We follow his advice, he knows what he's talking about, it works out, and it's like, I'm going to follow him more closely the next time. That's what he's after, to give us what we need. He is a loving caring, giving Father. 
So he gives generously without reproach, and it will be given to us as we ask him sincerely. But here's the caveat. Look at it, verse 6. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, this is crucial. I didn't always understand this verse um, because it put, it put so much pressure on me to have to, you know, believe, right? Let me, let me illustrate that uh, from my own life. A number of years ago, my mom was uh, battling cancer, and the doctor said there was nothing more that they could do for her. And uh, I took that and I said, awesome. God, now here is a time that you can reveal what you can do in this hopeless situation. You can come through. You can raise my mom up. You can heal her from this cancer. And you can show my unbelieving family members just who you are. This is an awesome opportunity. Yes. And so I began to pray in that direction, right, for that specific result. And as much as I stood in faith for that result, um, it began to be clear that that wasn't going to happen. And I can tell you that I struggled with that. Like, what's, what's going on? Am I not believing enough? Am I, am I not praying enough? Am I, you know, am, am, am I doubting? I began to struggle with that doubt thing. If this doesn't happen, then, then of course, I'm her son, and I'm the one that's professing Christian, and, and so I, I must not, you know, have enough faith, and it's all hanging on me. Throw that out the window, okay? If you've struggled with that as I have, throw that out the window. That's not what he's talking about here. Let me say this, biblically speaking, and as I say this, I hope it begins to click as you, as you understand the Old Testament um, and the New Testament. Uh, faith is not deciding what I want and trusting God to come through and pull it off. Faith is not deciding what I want and trusting God to do it. Faith is hearing from God what he wants and then trusting him to do it despite impossibilities, right? Abraham, he's known as the father of faith, right? God said, leave your home, leave your circumstances here, and go to a place that I will show you, right? He doesn't even know where he's going. Pack up, leave, and I'm going to show you where to go. I'm going to bless you. And what did he do? The Bible says Abraham believed God. And he packed up and he left, right? God told Gideon, take 300 men and go against an army of over 100,000. What did Gideon do? He believed God and defeated the Midianite army. God told Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and you are going to conceive and bear a son. And she believed God. And it happened, right? This wasn't people, you know, coming up with ideas. This was God's idea. All of these things, you know, impossible. Think about yourself for a minute. You who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Somehow, God came to you 
through, through a, a sermon, through a friend, through the Bible, somehow he came to you and he said, listen, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. If you will believe and receive, I will wipe out all your sins and cause you to be born again and have a new life. And what did you do? You trusted him to fulfill what he said. That's faith. Okay? That's faith. So, give yourself a break. <laughs> the Greek word for doubt here means to waver. It means to waver. And there's two ways that you and I can do this. One is we say, okay, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe God in this thing. And we pray and nothing happens for three days and we say, okay, I guess God's not interested. He's not going to come through. And we say, forget it. I'm going to have to handle this on our own. And we take ourselves out of the, the place to be able to hear from God as he's trying to convey something to us and give us wisdom and tell us how to handle the situation. But we cut him off and we do it our way, right? That's wavering. Um, we waver between faith and unbelief. The other way that we can waver is this. Let's say we're in a tough spot with another person, having a difficulty with another person. And we're praying about it and we're seeking the Lord and the Holy Spirit one way or another, again, through prayer, through, through the word, through something we hear or whatever. He comes and he reminds us what Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, do good to those right, who do you wrong. And we know deep down, okay, God's talking to me. This is what I need to do in this situation. But I don't like that. I don't want to do that. They did this and they did that and they treated me like that and I don't want to do good towards them, right? So again, we want to handle it our way. See, James, what James is telling us here is this. God is only going to give his divine wisdom, one, to those who seek it, and two, to those who are determined to follow it. That's who he's going to give his wisdom to. Not to those who ask and then give up on him. Right? Uh, it's been three days. Forget it. Um, and not to those who ask but only follow if they like what, it, what they hear. And not to those who have already decided what they're going to do anyway but give God a cursory prayer. You know. That's being double-minded, James says. Yeah, I'm going to follow the Lord. No, I'm not going to follow the Lord. See, double-minded, unstable in all our ways. James says that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. It's the opposite of being steadfast, isn't it? So, what do we do? You find yourself in a trial. You find yourself in a tough spot. What do you do? You take God at his word. God, who proved his love for each and every one of us, beyond a doubt, on a cross 2,000 plus years ago, right? Believing that he still loves us, believing that he will not leave us, will not forsake us, believing that he will, because he said he would, give us wisdom and whatever we need in that trial 
to follow it through to triumph, that he's going to do that, whether it's on my timetable or not, right? We hold on. We continue to seek. We continue to pray. We, we um, look for uh, maybe wisdom from mature Christians who also, you know, trust God. And we, and we take what we're hearing and, and, and we filter it all through the Word of God because God never contradicts himself, right? So we, we use the, the Word as a basis for our direction and, and how we're going to handle the situation. And then when we hear from God, we act on that, no matter how ridiculous it may sound. You know, think of Gideon again. How ridiculous was that? How ridiculous was, okay, Joshua, the, the, the Jericho is so heavily fortified, there's no way you're going to get through that huge uh, wall and all that kind of stuff. Go out and march around it and come home. Next day, go around and march around it again and come home. Next day, go around and march around it again, you know. And then finally on the seventh day, march around it, blow the trumpets, everybody scream and holler, and, and I'm going to make the walls fall down. Yeah, right. You know they've dug up those walls? They have excavated those walls? And they didn't go, like, out this way. They fell down, just like God told them. And they walked straight in, as the Bible says. Right? God said it. And I believe it. God says, do this, and we trust him in the results. That's the way to go from trial to triumph. Hold on. Seek him. Seek his word. He will come through revealing his faithfulness, not only, again, to, to, to give us that steadfastness and that strength and all, but people are watching us. People are seeing how we handle difficulties, the same ones that they handle. And they watch how God comes through in our lives. And it's an opportunity to put an arm around someone else so I know what you're going through. This is how God worked in my life. I would encourage you to trust him. Amen? By the way, um, my mom... She did go to be with Jesus, and I was very disappointed at the time, no miracle. But interestingly enough, I have had the opportunity to pray with so far two out of those three family members to receive Christ on different occasions. So it didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen, but God's still at work because he's good and he's faithful. Let me close with this. Listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 40. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Our God is an awesome God. 
as we have seen time and time again, he doesn't go on our time schedule and he doesn't answer our prayers always exactly the way we want. He will be faithful if we will hold on. He will meet us, he will speak to us, he will direct us and guide us in our difficulties. Because he's awesome. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for being good. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your love. God, you reached to all of us when we didn't deserve it. And you made a way for us to know you and to walk with you through the ups and downs of this life. God, reveal yourself in our lives and let our lives shine before men that they may see your goodness and glory and turn to you. As our heads are bowed, maybe you're here or listening online and you have not yet opened that door to him. You have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You don't know what it is to have your sins forgiven, to feel cleansed, to, to know that presence of God in your life. Not the presence of a, of a, of a rule keeper who, uh, who has a baseball bat ready to slap you when you go down the line, but a God who is there to walk with you and help you and bless you and give you what you need. And if you're at the place where you said, you know, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, I'm, I'm tired of trying things that don't work, that don't satisfy, that don't come through. I want to turn to my Creator. If that's you, just say it in your heart as I say it out loud. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for bearing my sins so that I can be forgiven. I give you those sins. I give you my life, my past, all my mistakes. Every time that I turned from you and took your name in vain and et cetera, et cetera, Lord, I just lay it at your feet. And I want to thank you for bearing those sins so that I can be forgiven and set free, cleansed. I could be welcomed as your child and know you. So I open up my heart and I say, Jesus, come in. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Show me what it means to walk with you all the days of my life. And I give you thanks for that. And Lord, if I pray for those who prayed that prayer this morning, that you would seal it in their hearts, that as you promised, the Spirit of God would enter into them and transform them into new creations in Christ. Be glorified in it, Lord. Thank you for it all. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.